This is Exponent Philanthropy's catalytic podcast, Conversations with Leaders at Small Foundations. Meet some of the most creative, resourceful, and risk-taking foundation people in the country. Our podcast guest, Angela Holt, president of the Cooney Foundation, highlights the impact that can unfold when lean foundations fund needed data for advocacy. At the recommendation of its partners, the Cooney Foundation funded a data study to count the number of people in Washington State and Oregon who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. Angela shares how the study results revealed, in a stunning way, a deep gulf between needs and services provided in the two states. The foundation and its partners used the data to advocate for more funding for services, for zoning changes, and to advance solutions. Angela shares some of the specific wins achieved and how the foundation's support for advocacy nurtured greater collaboration and alignment between organizations working in the fields of housing and disabilities. The story underlines several practices and mindsets that the Cooney Foundation embraced early on, which positioned the foundation to nurture catalytic change. One practice is Angela's asking the foundation's partners what they need. Another is being ready and willing to respond to what partners say they need. Angela and the Foundation were ready to fund data, package the data for effective communications, make introductions to key leaders and experts, and support partners to do advocacy tailored to the individual policy landscapes of towns and counties in the two states. This readiness to be useful in whatever way the foundation is called upon has been essential in achieving breakthroughs. Also fundamental to the Cooney Foundation's effectiveness is the vast network of relationships that Angela has nurtured over the years in the disability and housing fields in Washington and Oregon. Because Angela invested so much time and effort getting to know people in a variety of fields and sectors, because of years of quiet, steady relationship building, the Foundation was able to introduce key people to the Foundation's grantee partners at opportune moments to advance the advocacy work, unleash creativity and innovation, and build long-term capacity. In these and other ways, the Cooney Foundation has taken full advantage of the potential of small place-based foundations to help catalyze systems change. Angela developed an understanding of the ecosystem, developed relationships, funded advocacy, and connected people and organizations 
who never would have met each other. Angela shares the story. I think that philanthropy plays such a unique and vital role in the ecosystem of social change. Um, and, and funders typically focus on what I would call the meat and potatoes of our work, which is grants. And while grants are a powerful catalyst, um, there are so many ways that funders can amplify their impact by adopting more of a multifaceted approach to their work. Um, and that includes, you know, ways to build and strengthen relationships, um, you know, the role that creativity plays and, um, you know, strategic investments and advocacy and, um, you know, so many, so many ways, um, you know, connecting foundation leaders um, with other leaders in their field, um, particularly uh, new leaders. Um, and again, just so many ways because of where we sit in this ecosystem, we have a unique point of view. And, you know, because of that, we have an ability um, to really amplify our impact. It begins with a question. And, and that question is, how can we help? What else can we do? Um, you know, having taking the opportunity to engage in conversations with your community partners to find out what are your biggest challenges. And again, funding, funding um, is a vital part of our work. At the same time, uh, if we really want to have an impact on the ecosystem of social change, we really need to understand, uh, you know, again, what challenges our partners are up against, what role we can play uh, in, in helping and truly partnering with them, uh, you know, to address those challenges. Again, funding, funding is a vital part of, uh, you know, addressing so many societal challenges. At the same time, it's not enough. It's not the only thing that's required if we if we truly want to have impact, if we truly want to shift social change. And again, it, it begins with the question, you know, of our partners, you know, what more can we do to help? This began with our work with, um, you know, one of our key focus areas is uh, supporting people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. And within that scope of work, we have a, a particular emphasis on housing. We do support, you know, employment, education, um, the arts, um, you know, within uh, that focus on the IDD community. But housing is um, a more pronounced area of focus simply because it's such a tremendous need. And so we, we approached, you know, our community partners, um, and, and again, began with the question, you know, what is it, what is it going to take? What's needed? You know, why, why is there so, so little housing focused on the needs and preferences of people with IDD? Um, and preferences is a really important, um, distinction here because it's not just about need. It's about preferences. 
um, you know, what, what kinds of housing, you know, what do people want and how can we make housing more inclusive, more accessible? Um, throughout the country, there's a tremendous need for affordable housing. I mean, it is a constant topic of conversation. Um, and yet we don't include the needs and preferences of people with IDD in those conversations, in those policy decisions. So we began again with a question of our partners. We as a foundation will never have enough funding to solve this challenge. So that brings us to the issue of system change and uh, securing other sources of funding, government sources of funding, uh, for one thing. And uh, again, ensuring that the IDD community is part of these conversations when it comes to increasing affordable housing, increasing just housing capacity, if you will. Um, and, you know, the, in the conversations we had with our partners, our community partners, we talked a lot about, well, what's it going to take? What's necessary? What are the tools you need? How can we support this effort? Uh, and one of the tools mentioned um, was data, the need for data. Uh, and that became a really important focal point of our work uh, and continues to guide our strategy today. Data is such a great tool and data is such a great starting point. Um, and, you know, we, um, again, in, in partnership and in collaboration with our community partners, um, you know, we, we convened about 40 different organizations throughout Oregon and Washington, um, you know, to A, help identify gaps and what was needed. And again, the consensus was we need better data. You know, when when we meet with policymakers, you know, as, as a nonprofit community, when we meet with policymakers and we're advocating on behalf of the IDD community, the first question we're asked is show me the data. Well, there were tremendous gaps in the data. And so we again in collaboration with um, you know about 40 different organizations, uh, we um hired uh, an organization called uh, Echo Northwest, and they're very well known, uh, both regionally and nationally for, um, you know, the quality of their, uh, you know, data studies and um, hired this group. And in again, in collaboration with our community partners, um, designed, uh, you know, a data study. And, you know, the results of it were astonishing. Um, Echo Northwest, who's been doing this work for decades, came back to us and said, we've never seen anything like this um, in terms of the gaps in information, the outdated information. Uh, and it came to light that policy decisions and funding decisions were based on data that was more than 25 years old. Um, and this was, you know, a few years ago. So now that data is even more, even more, uh, old and in, in, antiquated. Um, and so, and we also, um, through the data study discovered that, um, really this is a community that is, that is just tremendously undercounted. 
Um, and again, you know, you don't fund what you don't count. And so, um, you know, there's a, a tremendous shortage of, of services, of funding, um, you know, people who need access to housing, who need access to services, um, aren't, aren't able to access the funding or services. Um, and what it also, you know, what it, we we also concluded that there's a hidden housing crisis because of the, uh, the undercounting, if you will. Um, you know, we have a really, What's happening is you have an aging population. Um, you know, many people with IDD live at home with parents or other family members um, as caregivers age. Um, you know, people living at home who have IDD um, could suddenly be left uh, homeless uh, if, if their caregiver passes away uh, and doesn't have a path or a plan for other options. Um, suddenly you have someone who's in crisis because they are not uh, part of the system, if you will. They aren't receiving services. They aren't receiving any kind of external support um, and suddenly have to navigate housing on their own. And um, and this happens time and time again. And we call it the hidden housing crisis uh, because, again, it's simply not on the radar. Um, when it comes to policy decisions around affordable housing. The results of the data study really helped inform our strategy and, and, and frankly, to this day, help inform our strategy, um, not only from a grant-making perspective, but also from you know, an advocacy standpoint. Um, we also provide technical assistance, um, you know, it's uh, it continues to be used in in many many ways. Um, the information was was packaged um, for um, you know in in multiple ways, and so we packaged certain data points um, with an eye toward a public policy audience and for policymakers. Um, we also packaged the data so it would appeal more to the affordable housing community or affordable housing agencies. In other words, drawing a distinction, but, you know, and, and frankly, highlighting an opportunity for affordable housing agencies to become, uh, more engaged, uh, in this issue and, and not only the need, but also the opportunity to include the IDD community. Uh, in, in affordable housing efforts, um, you know, for public policymakers, it was about um, creating awareness uh, and also highlighting the need and again the opportunity, um, and and then also you know for um, nonprofit commu nonprofits uh, that focus on the IDD community, um, you know, there's an opportunity to continue raising awareness. And also uh, providing our nonprofit partners with talking points and key data points to help with their own advocacy efforts. Um, the data study continues to be used today and cited today. Every once in a while, we'll we'll see it cited in uh, 
you know, whether it's a proposed uh, bill or proposed legislation, um, it was cited in a lawsuit um, up in Washington state. Um, I mean, so again, uh, the data study continues to be used in, in a range of ways that continue to raise awareness. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's been an incredible um, advocacy tool. So we had a very specific uh, and robust campaign that included, um, you know, a, a national news release announcing the results of the data study. We, um, you know, sent copies to elected officials. We, um, you know, I had mentioned that we had, you know, about 40 different um, community partners, you know, nonprofits who helped inform the work. Um, who are also listed in the data study. Um, and, you know, we, we provided, you know, um, these organizations obviously with copies, electronic copies, so they could again, um, you know, push the data study out to their own audiences. And, you know, this was throughout Oregon and, and Washington. Um, it resulted in, um, multiple requests for presentations. And so we also had a, a PowerPoint presentation. Um, and this was during COVID. And so everything was during, you know, everything was via Zoom. So it actually made it really easy when people, you know, people again throughout both states, urban and rural areas were requesting, um, more information, requesting presentations. Um, I gave multiple presentations, um, you know, particularly throughout Washington. Um, to, you know, the Washington Developmental Disability Council. Um, I, you know, presented to different counties, um, throughout Washington state and throughout Oregon who wanted more information, you know, for their particular county on, you know, how they could utilize that data, how they could advocate for the IDD community. Um, so again, it, it had legs. I mean, it had a lot of legs, which was, which is what exactly what we wanted. Um, you know, I would say, you know, I mentioned earlier that the data study really, uh, really helped to inform our strategy. Um, and again, in collaboration with our partners. And for us, there were several outcomes, you know, several outcomes that, that we in collaboration with our partners were seeking. Um, one of those was, again, um, to amplify that intersectionality between affordable housing and the needs and preferences of the IDD community. There's so much opportunity there. Uh, and, you know, it, the opportunity to raise awareness and to really, again, um, you know, bring those, those communities and those issues together, if you will, was, we just saw that as a, as a tremendous opportunity. Um, and as part of that, and as part of continuing to amplify that opportunity, uh, we hired as a consultant, um, someone who has deep, deep expertise of the affordable housing community. She, she headed just about every uh, city, county, state level affordable housing agency in Oregon. And, um, and she consults with us to this day and helps to amplify that intersectionality, helps to raise awareness. Uh, and again, provides technical assistance to our nonprofit partners, uh, whenever needed, 
um, or whenever they need help navigating uh, the affordable housing space. Another outcome that we've been uh, that we've been pushing for is for states to own their own data. Um, you know, we conducted this data study. And, you know, there were still some, some gaps. And, you know, we came to the conclusion that, you know, each state really needs to understand their own data. Um, they need to engage in their own data study. They need to do a deep dive, um, and, and own that because honestly, it's one thing for us to present the data. It's quite another. Um, it becomes a very powerful tool when states own their data and it, it develops a different level of accountability, uh, for the states to do something, to take action. And Washington state, uh, we had a huge win in Washington because Washington two years ago budgeted to conduct their own data study. They hired Echo Northwest, with whom we had worked. Uh, it was a two-part study, and they uh, conducted it, published it, and it has it has resulted in policy change and additional funding in the state of Washington, um, which has just been incredible. Um, Washington, during this most recent legislative session. Um, added $25 million to the state budget specifically to advance IDD housing in that state. Um, that was a tremendous win. Um, and there were, there's been many additional policy decisions, um, over, over the past few years, but the data study, um, that the state of Washington uh, funded and conducted on their own uh, directly resulted in that funding because again, they kind of had to own their data. They had to own the information. They had to acknowledge the gaps and come up with solutions and uh, were held accountable for that. So it, it, was, it was very, very rewarding. Thanks to Angela Holt for joining us. Our conversation with Angela continues in part two. Look for new catalytic podcasts each month. Meet more creative funders. Benji Roo does the audio engineering and mixing. Our website is by Kwok Lee. Our music is by O Future. The Catalytic Podcast is made possible by grants from two exponent members the 1772 Foundation, and the Blackstone Ranch Institute. I'm your producer and host, Andy Carroll. Thanks for listening. Join us next time.